That's a familiar tune. Hmm. Something I remember from my younger days. Extra Amped up with a new modern sound. Yeah. This song sounds like Howard the Duck. Great movie. Uh. Wow. I almost knocked my uh, computer over. Welcome back. What a long time it's been. Although it probably doesn't feel like a long time for a lot of you uh, just hearing our voices. Uh, You might have checked out our new bomb-ass podcast late era by this time. Um, But uh, for our horn section brethren out there, we wanted to uh, make sure to keep on schedule with Welcome to Chicago, the premier podcast about the band Chicago celebrating our or one year and seven month anniversary, something like that. There were certain um, doubting Thomases in the horn section. Yeah, DTs. And you know, m- might as well like throw some alliteration in there and just say so certain doubting Davids yeah, in the horn section Davids. who, who really, you know, I'm not naming names. I'm just kind of saying doubting David sounds better than doubting Thomas, uh, who believed that the start of late era would mean the end of welcome to Chicago or that somehow we were less committed to our original enterprise. And, uh, just want to say to anyone out there who might think that, um, you're on notice. Fuck you. What do you think of our character? Right, Sam? Yeah. Well said. It really pisses me off. Poor character. Yeah. I'm pissed off every day now. You know how it is. What the the world being the way it is. Uh, COVID Chicago 18 just pissed me off more today. But I'm here. Me too. With, happy here talking with some dear friends about this album today. Uh, well, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Winston Cook Wilson. I'm Andy Kush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam Sadomsky. Also, I don't need you to prompt me to introduce myself. Sometimes you don't. In- Sometimes you don't. Well, it's tough on Zoom. I want to make like I always just say I'll sit back and wait for everyone else to do it, and then I'll go. Yeah, this is the second Welcome to Chicago episode of the COVID era. This is the first Welcome to Chicago episode that I've been both a host and a guest on, which is kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Interesting yeah. concept. We are we have very special guests of uh, dear, dear friends of mine and committed horn section members. It's a little band called Adeline Hotel that I play in. We're all congregated here. Mr. Dan Knishkui. Hello. Thank you for having us, Winston. Dan's this singer, songwriter, guitarist. He's a a wonderful, generous friend. He's a funny guy. You're setting the bar a little a little too high. Buttery a buttery guitar player. Um, Buttery is a good word to describe it. Yeah. Adeline Hotel. We put out an album uh, in May called Solid Love. Go pick it up. We've also my dear friend Andrew Stalker, bass player. In Adeline Hotel and the frontman of uh, Horse Teeth. Hello. Hello, thank you for that beautiful intro. You know, listening to, to the Late Era podcast before, I heard you get such beautiful intros from Sam and Andy before. I feel very honored now to get one as well. Well, I love you. I wasn't expecting for us to be there two minutes in. Oh my god. Tough guy, as always, but that's part of why we love him. Last but not least, Mr. Ben Saradin. Uh, What's up, everybody? How you doing? Ben, also a, a wonderful musician, uh, releasing music as Ben Serratin. Um, if you haven't heard it, 
I don't know what's wrong with you. Released an album, Youth Pastoral, in February, um, right before the vid hit. Uh, it still sounds amazing. Go check it out. Uh, Appreciate you, the plug, Winston. And you just released a new project as well. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called My Brick Break Volume 1. It's this collection of tracks from a weekly project I've been doing for the last year or so. Where I basically write a newsletter and make a track, uh, basically ambient music every week. And I just collected everything and put it out recently, I think last week or two weeks ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's on Bandcamp if you're interested. The proceeds are split with a local organization. I just moved to a new town and uh, the local Black Lives Matter organization gets half the proceeds from that record if you're interested amazing and i should say dan is also working on a project that may come out soon do you want to talk about that uh sure uh i'll, I'll talk about it it's beautiful you can talk about it's it. beautiful Whoa. Oh, it's a it's okay. a it's a it's an in, instant instrumental experiment mostly instrumental experiment called good timing yeah it's like uh you know some some guitar shit that uh Good. Kind of the natural successor for what we've been doing as a band, I think. It's buttery. This is the first I'm hearing of this, and I can't wait to, to hear it. And also, I should say that uh, Dan and Andrew uh, run a label called Ruination Records, and uh, Ben runs a label called Whatever's Clever. I've released music on both labels, and uh, we're, a, we're a big fam. What else? Well, I'd say, you know, as of, as of today, I'm a huge Chicago fan. Right. Oh yeah. That's what this we're here about. I had a question for you guys that I just thought would be a fun getting to know you exercise. What is it that you love about our show? What do you? What is? <laughs> I also wanted <laughs> to you, ask that. You guys are what, really heavy horn section members. Right. So in other words, um, just like what is so great about us? <laughs> great question. <laughs> I I've gotten a lot of mileage out of explaining. Um, how the guy who makes Grady's Cold Brew came to be a guest on your program. And that's big. That's big. It's, a, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing to make small talk with. I remember my, my dad was visiting New York a while ago, and I was explaining to him that my friend had a Chicago podcast, and we were having a good laugh about it. And then he had gone to a record store that day, and he pulled out of his jacket a Chicago CD that he had purchased earlier in the day. <laughs> and that's a treasured memory. So I, I think it's just, you know, the podcast has been something of a companion for me in the last... Has it really been a year and seven months that you've been doing this? November 2018. And listeners might say, like, okay, it's been a year and seven months, and you've only done 18 episodes. So what, that's like... You can average like one episode a month. Is that about right? Like we're we're falling. People short might say like head. that's that, people might say like that's kind of sad or it's lazy. But like actually, the truth is like every day of every month is spent carefully planning out these episodes. I think it's very much like releasing albums. You know, it's like there's no you. Sometimes the muse isn't there. You got to wait a little longer and not you know right. cry about it. The stands crying about it out there. For me, it's like having a child each time we do an episode. Yeah. It's not something you can rush out, it's and it's not something that I can plan. <laughs> yeah. It's something that oh, happens. Is that, how, is that how childbirth works? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know it's coming. So I've heard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I would say that one thing I like about the show is the relaxed pace. You know, it's not overwhelming yeah. as a listener. Yeah, yeah, it's we very should yeah, considerate uh, of you. Relatedly, I, I I like how all of the episodes are too long. Like you never trim, <laughs> you never trim the fat at all. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> really, That's the sad like, part. Yeah, you're gonna find out today how much fat there really is. <sighs> mm-hmm. See how the we'll sausage see. gets made. Yeah, you're gonna you're on the other side now. You're on the other side. And take me down to the other side. Speak. Spe- <laughs> Keep going. Didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. <laughs> how long? How long? <laughs> Will I slide? Separate my son. <laughs> that works pretty well. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe it's fair. Speaking of being on the other side, Winston, I had not considered the fact that you are technically a guest as well as the host on this podcast now. So and I do wonder whether Sam and I should sort of do any kind of hazing of you or make you feel like, you know, you're a slightly less than welcome. Not that I would say that about the rest of our lovely guests, but it does make mm. me feel like there's an opportunity here to razz you a little bit. I think I can. I think it just means I can do whatever I want. I can play whatever role that oh, yeah, I want to no, play. No standards. I can okay. be the, the natural chameleon that I am in full. Right. And really show all the colors that I can change to. Right, Dan? I mean, I've definitely noticed that you introduce yourself on most episodes as the host and then sort of belatedly are like, these are my co-hosts, Sam and Andy. Like, I I think it's a clear triangle with you at the top in your mind. So I I think this is a good opportunity to kind of knock you down a peg. Wow, That's that's something we've been trying to do for years as well. So Yeah. I was curious who you, our guests, kind of see as the host of the show, (laughs) if you had an idea, or who you think should get more shine of the three hosts. I I think Andy is the moral center, but (laughs) I prefer uh, when Sam has the mic, because the the vitriol directed at Chicago is mostly what I tune in for, by and large. Winston has, like, this archaic knowledge, which, like, I think serves him well, but I... I don't yeah, think anyone truly, else we, gives we a get fuck, you know? That. Right, it's, it's like, who cares at a certain yeah, point? Yeah, at a certain point. Like, <laughs> episode it's one covered that, you know? Okay, let's... I'll Winston, I feel like I started this whole thing, and now I feel bad about it. Let's, we'll be I love you. Who, remember who's, on the, you know, who's doing the cutting here. Winston is definitely the most uh, game to do the podcast in any given episode, <laughs> whereas Andy and Sam are reluctant at best 90% of the time. And I think it's also clear that Sam's the bad boy of the podcast. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. It's <laughs> clear to me as well. <laughs> he's got, he's got, Sam he's got his wearing sunglasses, sunglasses on, right man. now. Right. Trying to impress our uh, guests. If you're listening to Late Era is, alongside Welcome to Chicago, perhaps you will recognize some crossover between this episode and an episode of Late Era, depending on when they drop. And yes, for all the curious listeners, it's the same pair of sunglasses Sam is wearing on this episode as uh, the sunglasses he was wearing on Late Era. That's canon. And so thanks that's for canon. That's We just want to make that official because when the books are written, there might be some questions about it and we'll just nip those in the bud. 
when the books as long are as we're doing that over I my dead say body I, we i do raz you winston but we do love you on the show so. uh, well i love everyone in this <laughs> fucking chat. and it's true that this show would not be would not ever happen if not for winston i think this was the first time i ever proposed recording an episode of welcome to chicago in the so entire year and a half history of the show <laughs> I, I was so surprised it felt it felt good it felt good i assumed you were tripping like that you were on like uh mushrooms or something or just like i need to classic need to talk about chicago classic andy um, dude the the, tr- the truth is a i miss you guys Aww. b uh it seemed like it'd be fun C, my partner Gabby is out of town right now. I knew I was going to be wanting for stuff to do these two days. And I knew that it would just give me room to really get rowdy, you know, with the boys. Yeah. uh, Without anybody else here besides my cat. Damn. Seemed like a good opportunity to do it. And so we're going for trying to make the most unlistenable Welcome to Chicago episode. Maybe just balling out no regard for our audience that's what i'm that's what i'm all about <laughs> it's true there there has the been almost the n- no regard for the audience in the rest <laughs> the audience is all on the podcast yeah <laughs> all right let's let's get into it baby let's get into it yeah 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 okay here we go Chicago 18, released in 1986, right? 1986. Right. Uh, If you missed the last episode, uh, the previous album was uh, Chicago 17, uh, and it was the last, it was a smash uh, hit album, uh, the last album to feature Peter Cetera, the apex of his... uh, tenure in the band the commercial apex for the band and just uh usually thought of as one of their defining three albums um depending on what generation you came in to chicago and with. also just their most popular album they ever made yes commercially the definitely the most popular and uh then pd got too big for his britches afterwards he didn't want to tour and he held a press conference saying he was quitting the band, uh, af- not af- not telling the band. Um, he had already released a solo album a couple years before, indicating that he, you know, had bigger aspirations. He was always kind of holding on by a thread. Uh, but then he left, and the band once again, as they did after Terry left, after they as they did after Hot Licks Dacus left (laughs) they had to make another adjustment and figure out how are we going to move on from this it was a it was a big letdown commercially for them but it did have a a couple of hits well first of all let me say they replaced satara they got a new satara for this one a guy named jason chef who i'm excited to see what everyone what everyone thought of him it's so you're excited to see what chef cooked up yeah chef's corner chef uh top chef what we, we could have a little chef's choice chef's choice yeah that could that could be a name that could be a section where we pick the best chef tune on here <laughs> the uh um it first of all say what you want about this album 
it is so nice to not hear Peter Cetera's voice all the time. That's how I, that's what I was thinking. Anyone else feel that way? I will say it took me a little bit to realize it wasn't Cetera. <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I, I I it's it's a different quality. It's a it's a mellower it's a mellower sound to yeah. me. We can get into that for sure. Yeah. The differences in their voices because they are very similar. Like his intonation, right? The way he pronounces stuff. Well, di- I'll say it's the first time I've ever um, listened to Chicago. So, for all intents and purposes, this this is the band. This is it. This is the classic <laughs> lineup. This is the only lineup. You have listened yeah. to the podcast, I, so you've heard. Yeah, but so I kind of tune out when you play the songs. <laughs> I'm just in it for the Same. story. <laughs> I I try sometimes I try to remember really old Chicago songs, and it's hard. It's really hard from like five albums ago. It is definitely true that today is the first time I, I actively have ever listened to the band Chicago. Like wow. throwing the record on and enjoying it. This is your first like taking it around the block. Um, no, like active, like the first time like I've ever listened. Like, like no one's ever put it on around me either. This is as far insane. As I, this is infuriating. Like, I'm what sure about, I've like, heard it at the dentist's office or something. You know what I mean? Cumulatively, you've probably, if you purport to listen to the podcast. So, cumulatively. I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it on the podcast. probably heard about six but, hours of it. But, like, you playing a song that is terrible for 30 seconds and then talking about how terrible it is. I, I'm not sure I'd consider <laughs> that listening to Chicago. Do you know what I mean? What about, what about, like, 25 or 624? Or does anybody really know what time it is, like, on the radio? Are there um, songs that you would know if you that you would know if you'd heard them before this before hearing them on this podcast i didn't really recognize anything you've played before today wow. i was playing the record and um chrissy came in and started singing along to the the fourth track whose oh name my God. escapes me um <laughs> on this record oh Sa- well because it's 25 or 60 no no no, no <laughs> sorry the, the next one then the following one um will you still love me will you still love me okay. yeah she she said that reminded her of uh Oil City, Pennsylvania, AM radio as a kid. So I mean that adds up, but still. Yeah. Um, I know she (laughs) actually probably would would be a better guess than than I would, but (laughs) I thought track one was cool as hell. Like it had some like I agree. It had that like Kate Bush running up that hill, like big Tom solo things, which was pretty tight in my opinion. It does sound like uh, what prog bands were doing in the 80s to me like not exactly like 80s yes but like what's that emerson lake and palmer spinoff i'm into it i honestly couldn't stand this song and a part of me was like i didn't know what like the conceit of it was because niagara falls is a sentence yes yeah it is it's it like is. Niagara's a noun, falls is the verb. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> the worst part of the song, I think, is that it's used as a verb. I think it's straight up fucking insane that anyone on this call professes to enjoy this song. What? Yeah, I, I agree with Andy. This is total shit. Sorry. It's so bad. The chorus, I had, I the chorus had, is good. Sorry, dude. 
I was having some technical issues that have been plaguing me recently, so I could not weigh in on the last. <laughs> like, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it's a conversation. I really didn't think Andy was going to come out with this angle on Niagara Falls. Uh, you go, didn't think I was going to do what? Make I didn't think. I thought you would be a fan of the song. Honestly, I just no, assumed that no. you would be like, like, in, like, sort of into it. Um, the insane, over elaborate, sequenced like fills and stuff that Ben was alluding to before, which are kind of a layover from Chicago Seventeen. Very much in, pro- I'm pro that, but the song itself, I would say, yeah. the fact that falls is used as a verb is the only redeeming part of this song, not the worst part of it. I was like, huh, oh, Niagara <laughs> Falls. We've I got it. We've, we've gone in different directions since the since the last Walk of Chicago. Well, I, my, think, my, I think oh. truly the only thing I like about this record at all is the production. I mean, I find like, yeah, the songwriting is awful. The remake of a famous already existing song is unlistenable. But the... At least, especially with this first song, it makes you feel like it's a Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack rejects, and it like makes you want to solve a mystery, and that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah, dude. Play totally. a little bit later in the play a little bit later in the song, Sam. Because it goes some different directions. It's also co-written by Bobby Caldwell. I love I love that melody and chord change. I hate that melody. So I love it. So good. Do you like like the Mars Volta? Yeah. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam, you're not gonna believe. I can't even say it to you. Who who that who the what the chord change in melody reminds me of there? You're gonna never speak to me again. Who is it? Prefab Sprout. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't not hear it, but I think like Prefab Sprout songs are so beautiful, and this is so like grinding and awful and commercial sounding there's a beautiful melody there okay a sad melancholic uh unresolved feeling to that chorus when that chorus hits and uh it feels like my life it feels like floating floating on on a little cloud across brooklyn not a barrel not floating in a barrel down a famous Floating in, a ba- in my the Niagara f- Niagara falling in my mind, my mind, pal. Uh-huh. I'm going. I'm in the COVID brain, but I'm going to other places in my mind. <laughs> okay. And sort of like I'm s- being um, hypnotized. <laughs> Do you want me to keep really going like this on, for like thirty yeah. minutes? <laughs> I think I love this song. <laughs> so you're. I really on flipped a on that lyric from first uh, first listen to later, like. I was looking at the lyric sheet and I thought that was like one of the most offensive like choice of songwriting of all time. However, the rest of the lyrics don't even have the pretense of being clever. So like by comparison, I feel like this one is is sort of their deepest lyric, which is why I've decided that the song is actually very good. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to say very good, but uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I think your Beverly Hills Cop analogy is good when i was listening to this record for the first time my thought was okay the genre of this music is karate kid yeah and that and that that was before i learned yeah that peter cetera's solo album that came out around the same time has the karate kid 2 theme song on it 
Oh, wow. Yes. They were all deep in the Karate Kid zone, uh, aesthetically. And, and that's a very important part of the context for this album. I know we're kind of mixing up the format here, but it's worth saying that definitely contributing to the less than normal commercial success for this album of Chicago in the 80s was that Peter Cetera released his second solo album, which is called... <laughs> the fuck is it called? Solitude, solitude, solid, solitude, solitude, solitaire. Solitude, solitaire. You know what it's yes. called. Yeah. What I, is thought, it called? I was gonna throw, so, I was gonna throw soliloquy in there, so, but I think it is solitude, solitaire. Yeah. yeah, Andrew, what is it? I can confirm that. Okay, but the the main thing is, Satara released his album in the summer. It had this huge Karate Kid hit, "The Glory of Love," and there's a story about James Pankow hearing that song and being furious because it was like it's a Chicago production it's got a horn arrangement and everything ended up being a number one hit the record went double platinum there was another hit called The Next Time I Fall and it was pretty much a ubiquitous album and then Chicago's release was pushed back to September and they definitely suffered behind the fact that the star of Chicago had just released an album and uh, they had a couple of top 20 singles but it sold pretty poorly and uh there was there were no hit there there were like uh it sold like 500,000 copies versus double platinum sales right off the bat so i got to jump in and and defend Pete a little bit here you said his his record has the the chicago sound but well james panko um, said that don't well so i watched a a, a five part um youtube series this morning okay um, hold on wait let's pause really quick to contextualize it the members of of Adeline Hotel that are with us today, as opposed to this member, me of Adeline Hotel, uh, have done so much research on this album and on Chicago in this period. Uh, gave, judging by the text that I've received, so the fount of information that's about to open up may blow your mind. Okay, go ahead, Dan. Well, so Peter, uh, it was a lost interview with him that was uncovered, um, <laughs> split into five parts. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the the headline of the first one is that Peter Cetera defends himself from accusations that his solo record uh, sounds too much like Chicago. And, um, you know, he he tells this story to this radio presenter, basically, like, he's upset that uh, he's been able to write these great songs all along, but no one knows his name, which is ludicrous because he's like a multimillionaire at this point, I gather, from the other episodes of the pod. Um, And so he's like... I've been doing this for so long and no one knows like I just wanted to do it with myself and he says it like so seriously but he tells this anecdote where his record comes out and this radio presenter in Iowa uh, plays the song Glory of Love I think it's the first single I guess yeah, it's a karate and it, song. they say confirm that as well this is Glory of Love by the band Chicago and he's like I'm gonna call that fucker up but he waits and then next week they say this is Gloria Love by Pete Satori. And he's like, fuck this. Like, and he literally calls this guy up to correct him. And I just, like, I really relate to the sort of level of, like, how disassociated he is from how famous he is to how petty his ego is. Like, it really reminds me of people that we all, like, know grinding away at music. Like, he's still, he's still so petty after all these years, and I just, I just love it. I love it. I, it fits the album. It's great. Who, who else is that petty? Um, yeah, name names, Dan. 
I'm not going to uh, name names, but I will, leave, I will leave you with this very, Pete, very Pete serious, Pete this very serious yeah. quote that he ends with. He Pete just, Yorn is. Oh, wait, there is a B is petty. Do we have yeah, a story my about friends that? Who I won't, my friends who I will not name names because I don't want them to feel like, you know, I'm talking shit on their behalf. Finally, we're do talking about cr- Yorn on this do, podcast. Do, I have they, a deep history with Yorn, so I'm curious. They do have some... Well, I think they have talked about it, actually. Okay, so... Uh, my friends in in the band, the Echo Friendly, have a story about Pete Yorn kind of stealing one of their songs uh, for his Scarlett oh, Johansson yeah. uh, duets record, and uh, was just sort of a jerk about the whole thing. I I, I, I can't really talk about it in detail because I don't remember. But and they, litigation they had is a, pending. They, they had a negative Pete Yorn experience. Surprise, folks. This is now turning into a Pete Yorn podcast. There's nothing you can do about it. Get the fuck out if you don't want to hear about it. Okay, Andrew, what's your experience with Pete Yorn? Uh, none. None. It hasn't affected me in any great way in my life, ever. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, Sam, what's your history with Pete Yorn? Oh, I, could, I could literally go on all day about it. Well. Um, no one, I, listen, no one listens to this shit anyway, so... We're not here to talk about Pete Yorn as much as I could and in some ways want to, but I want to steer us back to the record. Go ahead. Because I think Dan's story is pretty funny. One, because it's a lost interview, which just means it wasn't televised, which is <laughs> hilarious to me that, like, he was, like, going off about this DJ, and he was like, I'll tell you the real story, and, like, someone behind the camera was like, we're not gonna this is completely unusable. Yeah, we're, just, we're not we're not running this yeah and someone's like "Ooh, can i keep the tapes to digitize and put on youtube later and they're like yes fine whatever what's youtube yeah. <laughs> but yeah which is I, like a, a funny thing anytime you see something that's like rare footage on youtube you're like well it's on youtube i mean sometimes it's amazing but yeah sometimes it's pete satara going off about an australian dj who <laughs> pronounced his name wrong so he ends with with this like this really beautiful uh nugget he he says to the guy he goes i just happen to be someone who can write great love songs and that's nothing to be ashamed of and i just i just think that's the best thing i've ever heard any musician say Uh, and i i dig the guy i think he's cool so i miss him and i've never even heard the albums he's on (laughs) this is yes you (laughs) thought you meant like i miss him like (laughs) R.I.P. is still very much alive. (laughs) The late, great Pete Cetera. Yeah. This is like a classic Peter Cetera perspective that, like, some imaginary person is telling him he should be ashamed of his ability to write great love songs and he has to defend himself. (laughs) Yeah. No one is is attacking you for that. Yeah, that too. In my opinion. One of the things about this record that I find confusing where it's like this great Pete Cetera uh, departure is why would they then decide to record 25 or 624? Like, why Why wouldn't they? It's Let's a great talk about table. that. Yeah. Well, well for, I mean, the, the issue is it isn't really a Pete... A, yeah, there you go. Allegedly... Got like a sort of, uh, like, NFL on Fox bumper music yeah. kind of yeah. vibe uh, to it now. Uh, it's got the like THX sound at the beginning that like synth yeah. sweep. <laughs> There's like those two like robot football players kind of yeah. like <laughs> CGI like running on screen. 
Also, all the guitars on this album just sound awful. Yeah. They all sound like they're from the Godzilla soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Suffice to say, Terry Kaff would not be happy. Well, so, end- do we know anything uh, about the decision to put a re-recorded version of 25 or 64 on this album? Yes. For me, it's like, you just had the biggest hit album of your entire 20-year career, and then you're going to make your first single a re-recorded version of like one of your hits from 20 years ago. Like... Have a little faith in yourself, guys. Like, why do you feel like you need to be retreading old roads now? Yeah, well, here's the story that I read from the uh, unofficial biography of Jimmy Pankow, which is that (laughs) Jimmy brought in some kind of song, which we don't have access to, uh, that had elements of of this, that had elements of this uh, instrumental for 25 or 624 and Lamb listened to it and said well you should just sing 25 or 624 on top of it we should just we should just have someone sing and that apparently Pankow just hit, his eyes lit up and he got writing and that's what happened got writing what the song was already written <laughs> got got writing <laughs> got writing his new horn parts you could tell he that got writing a check for his house the new new mansion you know what's funny about 25 or 64 is I think it might be the stank candidate on this album I mean it's a heavy stank hold on what about it's alright whoa is this the first time someone has challenged your stank choice contested stank I mean so Dan loves this song and he wouldn't shut up about it today (laughs) he kept texting me I I wouldn't say love I would say it's it's the only song on this album that's not like unintentionally funny i do like it is i mean i kind of <laughs> take on. it back i only heard it once this <laughs> sounds like money jump the gun here <laughs> all of us have deadly serious faces <laughs> no laugh i mean is this yeah, it's, it's so it's so stylistically different than the rest of the album i feel like i'll, I'll agree with that it's got a, it's got, it's like got a, a swag. Huey Lewis. Yeah. 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 It sounds like every big 80s movie theme song at once. Yeah. Is this I is put down, not- it's the montage song when I was writing about it. Yeah. I'm not feeling a lot of stank from this song, though. No, it's not stanky at all. Yeah. Dan, come on. <laughs> you might have whiffed on that one. Yeah, well, you fucking whiffed, dude. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know the stank when I hear it. <laughs> this may be like the most stank-free Chicago album yet, though. Yeah. 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 Also the most horn-free. There's oh, yeah. like barely yes. any horns on well, the crazy And the horns on there, they're, they're so compressed and like yeah. 80s sounding that they sound like DX, DX7 pads. Totally. Like they sound totally. synthesized. Well, the crazy thing about everything. the album is that you... That there are horns on eight of the ten tracks but you would not be able to tell you would never say like they're but they're there allegedly some and of the there's tracks that one really there's that one really sick horn intro oh yeah like yeah a, the, con- the counterpoint nothing's gonna stop us that's, i think yeah that's you say the, sick yeah. that thing is totally nonsensical to me 
It is. It's just like, oh, the horns, like, they'll probably be and mad if they don't if they don't get a little shine. That's kind of cool. It honestly sounds like Sufjan Stevens to me. Yeah. It's got, like, the little bounce to it. Yeah. And that's it. That's all you get. Right. And then it just stops. They fade, just they fade out on the high note. completely unrelated. What is that? What is I, that? I was curious if that song came before or after Starships. Nothing's going to stop us now. Uh, is that uh, the, the same title? Well, obviously, it goes without saying it's a punk joint. The autobiography or the uh, biography speaks very highly of it, but doesn't contextualize it beyond that. I think it was just a little punk out. It actually precedes it, Sam. I think uh, oh, wow. S- Starships is 1987. We're this okay. is 1986. We're in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, scholar. What can I say? You did the you did the homework, more than probably the host of this podcast. Um, what do you mean the host? Who do you I mean? Said the host. <laughs> host. I think you did say I hosts. said I said the hosts. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I feel like Dan's angling for a co-host position on this. Yeah. On yeah. this no, podcast. no, I just, I just. Hey, we can talk I, about it. Uh, I mean, can, well, can we? <laughs> can we, Andy? <laughs> Always looking As co-host. for new blood, fresh voices, etc. <laughs> we. That's the You're direction for we should a, go a, now. A, yeah, you know, you need your chef in here. You're, also, you're at Chicago 18. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. True. And. And now, and now that we're like rolling in dough from late era, like our professional podcast, we could sort of like slowly hand the reins of Welcome to Chicago over to someone else. Oh yeah, I forgot to ask you guys. I forgot to ask you guys earlier. How much money did you burn today? How much money? Say that again. How much money have you guys set on fire today? (laughs) Oh, uh, today, today I only set five hundred dollars on fire. Uh, I did two k. It's like a light day. What about you, Sammy? I do want to say I don't do this for the money oh, i jesus genuinely Christ. i love podcasting just as a way of expressing myself all right, all right move on move on back to the album <laughs> okay so jason chef <laughs> the new the new peter cetera he's a 23 year old man uh wow we can decide Young if he's handsome. how old is he is he handsome i don't know <laughs> maybe how old did you say he is 23 oh my god i know it's like half the age of the other guys indeed it's fucked um, he was already like a top 40 session bassist and backing singer. There were numerous auditions for uh, lead singers, new lead singers for the group, um, including Mickey Thomas from Starship, uh, the guy from Toto, who's the singer in Toto. Forget. He, Chef got by David Foster, who, by the way, produced this album. I don't think we've said that. He came back to produce this album, even though he's kind of a satiric guy and he was skeptical he came back uh foster was not impressed with chef's voice apparently on when they did 25 or 6 to 4 chef was like how do you want me to sing this and he said exactly like peter satara that's what foster said he just wanted he want he really wanted another another uh satara um, you really could, to reiterate something someone said earlier in this episode, when I didn't have a working microphone, you really could hear this without knowing that Peter Cetera is not on it and not come to that conclusion on your own. Like, there is a, it, there's, he brings a lot of Cetera energy. Yeah, somehow it felt different to me, just knowing it wasn't Petey. 
Yeah. Well, once I went and listened to Solitude Solitaire, then I was like, all right, that's the real, that's the genuine article right there. Yeah. 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 Honestly, probably a better album, significantly better album. Oh yeah. This this one. I would say so. Yeah. Definitely. The Satara joint. Yeah. 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 It's, it's actually, yeah, I would agree. Pretty good. Which, how would you describe the sound? I didn't get a chance to listen. Well, it's a little more upbeat. It's not quite so ballad heavy as like all Chicago seems to be from this era. One thing that I liked about it and wanted more of is like the first 10 seconds of every song is some like super sick, like rhythmic synth patch that like yeah. actually sounds really good. And then like the kind of drums come in and then it sounds sort of like Karate Kid music. But like, I wish he would have stretched out the first 10 seconds of every song. Yeah, all the intros sound like one tricks point never. It's wild. Exactly. They did. Yeah. They totally do. <laughs> I did at one point think let me think of 80s Genesis or something. I I remember I had a moment where I was like, you know, what if Satara had got with the right producer and made like a Peter Gabriel album? You know, like a late yeah. 80s Peter Gabriel album. I think he could have done it. Yeah. You know, uh one thing I like about the album just spiritually or just, you know, from from my you know how I am. I'm a softy sometimes. Is that we get Bob back. We get more lamb. We get some more lamb. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the second track, Forever. Maybe we want to play that. Just yeah, so I want to get into this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. This is a song I said sounded like Porches. <laughs> now I'm kind of hearing Prefab Sprout in this one, Winston. Yeah, this whole album sounds like Prefab Sprout. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I like Robert Lamb, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're Robert Lamb in Chicago's like, we gotta audition a new singer now that Peter Cetera's gone, aren't you like, hey, motherfuckers, like, I'm a singer. I've been a singer in this band for 20 years. Why do we need another one? Uh, Andrew and I were talking earlier about uh, how I just watched The Last Dance, the uh, you know the the docu series about the Chicago Bulls in the Jordan era, and I think Robert Lamb uh, kind of reminds me of Scottie Pippen. Nice. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Horace Grant, but for the same reasons you're saying Scotty Pippen, but I'm just kind of taking him down a peg. Yeah. Um, uh, I, Andrew's wearing a Bulls t-shirt right now, we should say. Um, I think that I think we have to slot James Pankow into the Dennis Rodman uh, <laughs> slot of the lineup. Total wild card. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm imagining, like, isn't there... I'm trying to imagine James Pankow in my head, and he's sort of, like, shirtless, kind of, like, wearing a Speedo. There's, mm. like, chest hair coming out, kind of, like, Stop. doing yes. this really sexy trombone thing. Maybe I'm exaggerating it in my head, but I do feel some Rodman energy from him. Um, there's a good... There's, you know, because the Pankow biography always says something kind of sexual or laudatory exactly, about, yeah. about, about Pank. My favorite quote, actually, it's not explicitly sexual, but there's a the tour that they take for Chicago 18. Um, first of all, the, the description of the tour reminds me that the horns have been called amongst themselves the hole in the ass gang, 
I, if you guys oh, remember still that. Doing that huh? Yeah, still, still wow. going. <laughs> trying to make that happen. I mean, the book hadn't referred to them as that for about a hundred pages, and just brought it back. It was a really rude awakening. But much like bringing back twenty-five or sixty-four on this record. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of rude awakenings here, rude, uh, rude uh, callbacks. But apparently, this is the first tour where they used wireless mics, so everyone was wandering around stage, mm-hmm. and it was also the first tour that Lamb used a guitar. Kind of seems like a nightmare tour. All of them like stomping around the stage um, <laughs> headset mics you don't know where any of them are gonna go but so the description of the uh, that i love the the pank out book because there is like criticism out of nowhere like pretty harsh criticism and then moments of like this this is a great element though so he said about the wireless mics and the wandering around stage while pank is in his glory the random wandering seems freakish and actually disrupts the show <laughs> Apparently, Pank did well with the with the strutting around. Yeah, I also want to say this book has said that Pankow is in his prime, <laughs> or like in the glory in it for like <laughs> Once literally his entire career. Yeah. yeah, it's like at his at peak physical excellence. <laughs> his Pank's famous late '80s period of perfection. Yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's another quote from Bill Champlin. They're talking about dynamics in the band and how. People are kind of getting along despite the turnover, except Seraphin is isolated. Uh, but Bill Champlin and Pank get tight, and Champlin calls Pank a bad mofo. <laughs> yeah, baby. Which seems like um, in line with everything I've ever thought about him. If we can return for a second to Forever, yeah, yeah. the song we just <laughs> sorry, listened to. Sorry. This was my favorite song. No, don't apologize. This is my favorite song on the record, I think, because, all right, a few lyrics from the beginning of Forever. Every day it seems we hear the same old story. Every day there's lovers giving up on love. People say it's just a fact of modern living. All around us people fall in love and marry. Then we hear they're breaking up and wonder why. Did they mean it when they said it was forever? So in a way, this is like a return of a classic Robert Lamb type of song where he's just kind of like an observer of the situation Uh that's going on. Like just a man kind of wondering about the things he's hearing on the street and just asking some questions about them, which he used to do in terms of politics and society, which was always kind of a recipe for a funny song. And now that he has the same kind of like neutral observer attitude about like just normal human relationships just hearing about love hearing about breakups wondering why they're happening i'm like i used to make fun of robert lamb for this but now i feel sort of sad for him yeah like why are you don't you don't you have any first-hand knowledge of this stuff like (laughs) why are you just why are you just hearing about other people in love it's a good it's a good song though you know lamb's always a yeah. little su- it is and, and that that pathos about it it feels like some kind of thing that there's a depth to it that only a canonical observer of chicago would feel yeah, yeah, yeah. but i love this song forever it's the only song i like wow i mean we haven't really talked about the hits from the record let's do one that i think might be my least favorite it's hard to pick but the actual song if she would have been faithful Oh yeah! Mm. What a hot I wanted mess. to do color my words for this one. Perfect. I was gonna ask about that. I was gonna ask if you've kind of given up on it, but I'm glad that you. 
mean, it's been tougher to do it because the songs are so just like barely written. Like it's almost just like a, pre- a premise stretched across a four-minute pop song. Visiting the past, reconstructing details with old photographs. <laughs> that is extremely breathy. I was. I would say everyone in the Zoom is covering their face right now. At the time you couldn't tell me one day I'd be glad. It's something that I thought was love. Alright, walk us through it. Yeah, welcome to Color My Words the segment of Welcome to Chicago where we delve into the lyrics of the band Chicago. This one's pretty cut and dry. It's called If She Would Have Been Faithful and it's a song that takes the perspective of a man whose partner cheated on him but because of that he was able to cheat on her and find someone who loved him even better and (laughs) this idea spans two verses Two extremely bitter, repetitive verses, and two cor- uh, a ton of choruses where he repeats, if she would have been faithful, if she could have been true, then I would have been cheated, I would have never known real love, I would have missed out on you. Um, yeah, I didn't find it romantic. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of the classic Chicago misogyny on this record. I mean. A lot of misogyny, um, a lot of misused words, this is where I want to be. It's so ironic. It's like, <laughs> what is ironic? <laughs> it's a paradox full of contradiction. No, it's not. <laughs> it defies a logical explanation. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You gotta, maybe I admire Lamb for taking an inquisitive tone in his songs because this one is like just so slap happy and self-satisfied and smug that it just, it's awful. I kind of... I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna come in as the defender of if she would have been faithful. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> after just having said I only liked forever, this was maybe my second favorite on the record. Jesus uh, fucking Christ! Because I like I like the way that it it it, it feels like to me lyrically sort of an old country like a seventies country hit. I'm, I'm leaving. Where like you kind of you kind of have this dumb. sort of silly premise of like oh if she only would have been faithful you're leading the listener down the path of you know and then my life would have been better or something and then you kind of twist the premise and say if she would have been faithful I wouldn't have had you Uh, I think it's clever enough I I think it's a clever enough premise that they that they can get a full you know four minutes of mileage out of it Uh, it's a little bit of humor in a Chicago song, which we don't expect. Uh, and as far as this record goes, I think it's not the worst song on the album. You, were you listening to this song being like, <laughs> like what's, <laughs> what's the humor? I, I'm trying to imagine you listening to this song and being like, ah, reminds me of George Clever. Jones. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a country song would give you like a It scene. does remind me of George I know, Jones. I know what you're saying, which is the hard part about this, is I, know, I hear what you're saying and it just upsets me. Country still. would play into p- the patheticness, maybe, and it would yes, like leave true. you with you're an right. image right of like the narrator being like, but I still miss you. Like there would be some yeah, yeah, yeah. self-awareness or you'd get like 
a scene or like a character name or a location like something to yes. place it outside of some like bitter fantasy that yeah. this song places you're me. you're you're totally right about that and i don't want to unequivocally defend this song i just wanted to i'll be i'm being the happy man to resurrect one of our uh, old segments yeah, yeah, yeah. finding uh, a finding finding a little bit of good in it which i i agree that there's a bitterness to it there's a lack of self-awareness that uh, you know like a george jones song for instance would have but the willingness to kind of start from a premise and build something out that is sort of faithful to that premise through the whole song, the kind of twist away from the way you expect the premise to go, is at least like a little more attention to the craft of songwriting mm. than I'm used to hearing from <laughs> Chicago. Andy, right Andy, point. the way you're talking right now reminds me of myself in like the early to late 2000s about how I would defend like second wave emo bands, like Taking Back Sunday <laughs> and Saves the Day and shit. It's true. And I, I was there. Yeah, I, I'm here for you. You know. <laughs> All right, thank you. And it is funny to hear you be like, I, ad- I admire the fact that it is a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the most saying. convincing they're argument. Make, that's the most they're, ma- they're making an effort to like put a song right. together here. At least there's a concept. It's written through. It's more than you can say for I'll like Niagara give Falls. You, yeah, I'll give you that they don't, wrote it. Don't fucking with this. <laughs> see, see, I read, I read the song differently. Like, I, I think it's, it's got this lyrical thread r- running through from Niagara Falls as well about like. Whoa. Uh, okay. Whoa. Because, you know... you Saying got it's the, a concept album? Yes. Actually, the, I wrote that down. I wasn't sure I was going to go with it, but since <laughs> well, you brought it up... Let's right, hear it. Concept yeah, album? Question uh, mark? The problem, let's go in. So I don't, know, I don't know the album quite well enough to be convincing here, but there is this whole lot of, like... Um, Pouring some kind whiskey of, for this. All right. So in Niagara Falls, he's like, you think you can start again. Like, you got somebody new, but at the moment of truth, whoever you're loving, you're thinking of me. And it's this, like weird like cockiness that's also like deeply sort of insecure which is like very much like that peter satara interview we were discussing earlier and i think that this ubiquitous you that runs throughout the album that like is cheating on him and he's cheating on them i think this is a concept album about saying goodbye to peter satara i think the you is peter satara and chef is the new (laughs) The new lover who thrills yeah. him. Yes, dude. Right. Jesus. Yes. Yeah, wow. so this is a love song to Chef. <laughs> <laughs> the whole album. Dan, I can't believe you almost believe you almost weren't going to share that one. Yeah, the whole album is Chef singing love shong- songs to himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do want to say this song was written by a Nashville songwriter, Andy. So hey, there you go. Randy you guys make All fun. Right, let me see if I can find right. a medal. For you, the the <laughs> the it's just so it's it's it, I don't feel the humor I don't feel the cl- the the cleverness or the the empathy that's in even the most bitter breakup songs of Georgia. I just feel like it's just like fuck you, babe. I'm doing my shit. Like that's every Chicago song. Yeah, is like that's the perspective. You're not wrong. I'm just saying at least there is sort of like it follows logically from a coherent sort of clever premise in this song when usually it's just thrown out there. It's done more artfully here. Yeah, it is. I mean, I do like Dan's theory too, because it is like, I found someone half your age and he's going to (laughs) like, 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, there you go. But it's like doubly sad then that the album flopped so hard. Because it's like, look who I've got. It's like, no one gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit about Chef, dude. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chef. Um, let's pick some other faves, uh, or least faves. Andrew. Um, a lot of my stuff has been covered already. We already talked about It's All Right. I thought One More Day was pretty good, actually. Oh, get the fuck out of yeah. here. Are you, we gotta, are you talk, we gotta talk about One More Day. That was the worst We gotta talk about One More Day. Are you mental? I don't know. I was pretty fucking out of it by the time the end of this record hit. You're probably, you have something that I might, that I've had where it's like, you get to the last song and you're like, oh, this is it. Thank God. <laughs> Chicago break. Yeah. 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 I, I, I just can't believe this is like the most cynical thing I've ever heard. They like, We Are the World was shortly before this record came out. And they like took a hard look at it and they're like, We gotta capitalize on this and make money for ourselves and make our We Are the World track. Like, so, when the Kid Choir came in, I was just floored at how cynical yeah. it was. To me, that's the full Chicago experience, though. Let's, let's let those play out a little bit. It's so ridiculous. I would say this is in my top half of ranking of songs for this record. Andy. Andy. <laughs> You're on one, man. <laughs> I w- the children's Choir comes in, and it's like an audacious move. Yeah. You weren't expecting it. Yeah, that's it a weird It changes the sonic character of the whole thing. <laughs> Again, like, at least this song has a point of view. Right. What is this with you Does and points it? of what view? What is the point of view? Yeah. Uh, that children deserve one more day. The children of the world. <laughs> Some, Come on. Somebody saving the children. That's the perspective. Well, let's just. Why don't we just listen to the whole Future's song? Why the you. fuck not? Just let it roll. That is straight Satara. Whoever sang that is doing a good Peter Satara impression. They're, they're fucking belting on this song. It's ridiculous. This part's good. Yeah, this part's good. Yeah, Winston, good. I was going to say, this doesn't sound dissimilar from an office culture yeah, song. I was just thinking the same thing. Go. Here we go. <laughs> Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Mm, Pank going to town. Can imagine him walking around the stage playing this. <laughs> Marching. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally unnecessary. I love that. No. That's when I tap out. Yeah. <laughs> this is so sick. Also, give the children of the world one more day. I would like to hear everyone sing that phrase in that manner one at a time. That really bluesy. You're not going to get it from me, my friend. <laughs> what the Oh, the backing. One more day. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. I kind I of. I get it. I, I hate that I kind of 
am getting it this time around. Turn it off. God damn it. I don't, Please. Want, I don't want to think about the, the positive side of it. Let me give a... Maybe I should give another anecdote, maybe. Would you like to hear one? Yeah. Uh, the anecdote is that Seraphin uh, is really being edged out on the drum vibe. They want everything programmed. They want electric electronic drums. To save himself, basically, Seraphin sort of starts piecing together uh, his his kit using these, these drum pads and uh, just barely makes it uh, past Foster's, you know, it, b Foster barely accepts what he, what he does. Um, and let me see, I got a quote here. It was necessary to make sure that anything done in the studio could be played live in concert. My acoustic drum set grew to incorporate electronic pads and triggers to deliver the new sound. I not only had to be a plumber, but also an electrician to set up my kit. So. He's, he's on the outs. They don't need Seraphin anymore. You don't hear much about him. About, you know, about him in the other books. He used to be the leader of the band. You know, R.I.P. There no, there's, there's no room left for flexing of jazz chops in this music. Exactly. Yes. Also, one thing I've noticed about Seraphin, if you watch those videos, he's almost unrecognizable because he has a wig. He clearly has a wig on. And I, I was saying to Andy earlier that there is a chapter in the book that I haven't read yet, yet called uh, The Hair Piece That Saved My Life. So I'm cur I'm excited Whoa. to get there. Yeah. So, so the next episode will just be about wigs, and then we'll do Chicago 19 Some, uh, after that. Yeah. So with foreshadowing. With, without the hair piece, would Danny Serafin be a recognizable character to you? Yes. Yes. He looks. I'm impressed by that. <laughs> he it looks he looks weird. I don't know. He looks like he's gotten Botox. I, I don't know. Look at a picture of like Google search Danny Seraphin and then watch one watch the video for whatever the fuck it's called. Will you still love me? I'll make a note to do that. Yeah, do point. that after this podcast. We <laughs> don't. We're not forced to talk about it the album anymore. <laughs> I'm sure you'll. I'm sure. Sounds like an interesting. <laughs> thing maybe this. Maybe up. this weekend. Maybe this weekend. I'll yeah. set aside yeah. like an hour to watch Danny Seraphin videos. I think like I could get some friends yeah. involved. Cool. Everyone would like that. I'm gonna get drunk enough tonight that I just spend all night checking out that lost interview with Satara. <laughs> yeah, just cruising, just cruising through it. Dan, well, Dan already said what song he likes. I mm. thought over and over was like one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's Lamb. We didn't play that, right? No, I don't think no. so. All right, let's, let's. I like that one. Let's hear it. Let's get into that. It's Lamb, so I I think I like it, but I also don't remember what it sounds like. Hmm. Yeah, that guitar part is cool. Yeah, but the like gruff, cocky. Yeah, like this, this could be Prince. Right lead now. singer with the group backing vocals. It, it's so weird. I was trying to think who that singer is trying to sound like, and I was like, is it Brian Adams? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, there's big boys of summer energy on this record. I know that's Don Henley, but similar. Yeah, this is probably. I do. Good. I do just like hearing Lamb in the mix again. I know. He's the, la he's the last charmer we have. 
is the only charmer we have. It's this part that I just can't do. It's got friend Midland vibes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind. There you, there you go. Oh. <laughs> that keyboard thing back there yeah, I feel like every synth sound on this record is great <laughs> yeah <laughs> when I was listening this was my favorite song on it really it had this like kind of like Christmassy melody to it but <laughs> listening to it now is <laughs> dreadful <laughs> I, I like I'm how sorry we... to spoil that for you Sam I, I feel bad about that one no it's okay I like uh how we all have pretty different reactions to this one. Right. It's like a real Rorschach uh, test of an album. I, I think it just has something to do with our mental state, probably. And for me, how much Chicago I've listened to at this point. Like, how much shit, how many albums of shit like this we've gone through now. Just the way he enters the vocal phrases after the background singers sing, it's just... It's so grating, I can't get past it. Yep. I mind this a lot less than other songs. Mm. Have we talked about the song I Believe yet? Oh, that's that might be the worst. No, I, that one's such a mixed bag. Like The chorus is so bad, but the verse melody is really nice. Or See, it from, was the one time two, sec- I two seconds in. <laughs> I don't want to hear this shit again. Andy probably It's, likes it's this nice one hearing too. all these expensive synthesizers, <laughs> though. I have to say. I want to say Andy has this like devilish smile as we listen to these songs. <laughs> yeah, because he's because like, I think he likes it. He's playing. And he knows some he angle. likes it. He's playing yeah. an angle today. No, I got nothing. I mean, the fact is like. We've said this so many times about Chicago albums before, but I think maybe now more than ever, because unlike in the past, I really did make a concerted effort to listen to this record. I, it's like I am hearing all this for the first time. Yeah, it was completely. I it was. I have no <laughs> impressions of, of it. it. <laughs> as like as much as I try to summon a strong emotion, I, I try to make an argument in favor of a song, and it kind of crumbles immediately. <laughs> I try to rile myself up against a song, and I just can't summon the anger. It's just like the most kind of. It's like a white blank piece of paper in terms of my yeah. emotional affect. Yeah. I can't summon any any feeling about it. Yeah, that nails it. I think that's why I'm like, I hate this song, and someone's like, oh, it's okay, and I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like, it's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Really, I just, it does not stick. I can't yeah, exactly. Yeah. Te- Teflon, Teflon 80s record. I mean, now we're yeah. really into the, the thing that inspired this podcast. This is the most challenging thing that you can do, is try to be critical about this kind of music yeah. and have your brain yeah. not default to, like, turning off or being like, uh, this is... N- nothing i'm in a void yeah. i'm alone in the world uh and, and incidentally, i'm gonna get my teeth inc- cleaned i did go to the inc- dentist today for what it's oh uh, okay oh, Whoop. Wow. hold up hold up stop the record how did, how did tell, you us feel about about that? That <laughs> tell us it's, about that tell us about that 
I mean, I was going to say it's not interesting, but it's no less interesting than the other shit we've talked about <laughs> for like two hours. It was, it was good. It went really well. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and? It, it, nothing to report. Nothing to report. My dentist has been trying to get me in the door, and I can't bring myself to do the dental cleaning thing in the era of COVID yet. Yeah. I wasn't going to, but I started developing these like sores in my mouth yeah let's get That's, into this the is sores. what i'm what you're telling me nothing's going on i want to know about i want to know about kebner's slash shingles yeah. i want to know about the sores in your mouth any other problems wow. you constipated sam sores update <laughs> no i'm fine in that department bowel movements um. are going okay <laughs> <laughs> As far as mouth sores are concerned, I was worried that it had something to do with, like, grinding my teeth in my night, in the night, or, like, my teeth becoming off-center, but as it turns out, it's completely from stress, and nothing to be worried about, and I should just learn to manage my stress, and take vitamin C, teeth are fine, uh, all good. Boring. Boring. Glad you got it checked out. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Well, what about the other stuff? Um, yeah, shingles has gone away. Um, no flare-ups. Kebner's is just kind of something I'll be keeping my eye on, I guess, forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, focusing on different stress relief methods. I have started meditating in earnest. And Good for you. Thank you. It's been difficult. Um, I've been doing a little bit of that. Me too. Yeah. I'm like I I have I've tried a bunch of different apps and I can't find one that works for me. Fucking app. Something dude. pisses me off. Fucking app. What's that? Really? Yeah, fucking app. How do you hold yourself accountable? Uh, you know, in my heart. I I do my own thing. I don't need to talk about my practice with you <laughs> or anyone. Okay. Wow. So I'm get I'm getting a little riled up from this whiskey. Okay. Sam is contractually obligated to discuss his shingles <laughs> once every two or three episodes. Yeah. But Winston, as the host, yeah. can Sounds get nice. into his personal life yeah. when he wants to, and sometimes he can just let it sail by. Listen, dude, we're big podcasters now. I do what I do. You guys do what you do. We're like the bulls in that way, and. Uh, we fulfill our role. Are you reading off a note that you've written? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, I'm, staring, I'm staring idly at my radiator. Uh, how's everyone's <laughs> mental health going? At this point, I feel it, I I feel f- it slipping I f- away. I feel like we're inverting the typical structure of a Welcome to Chicago yeah. episode right now. Right the world off the bat, we're usually <laughs> like, Sam, how's your bowel movements? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, is like, this, is the, this is the latest into an episode we've ever gotten an update on the state of Sam's body. I, well, I, th- I think that we, we owe the world nothing, and the world is upside down. Whoa. Sam put the sunglasses back on. I was feeling too vulnerable. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about on this? This is crap. This is horseshit album. Bullshit. <laughs> I feel like we are. It's got to be a long episode at this point. Should we just keep yeah. pushing it in that direction? I'm kind of ready to wrap up. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, <laughs> let's let's see what. How's everyone? How's everyone feeling right now overall? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you guys think we learned from this episode? The Adeline Hotel crew must feel like they're like in some kind of like hell, like some punishment that they can't leave the Zoom meeting. Well, you know, this the record that Adeline put Hotel put out this year is really jammy. So I think that's just what we're doing right now. You know, we're just jamming we're it just, out. Yeah, we're it's feeling a good it. way to look at it. Is it that time? Is it that time? We have to do it. A new version of 25 or 6 to 4. To oh, yeah. Into this. Andy, can you do that funky oh, ass? A funky ass version? That's fat. This is 25 or 6 to 4, the part of Welcome to Chicago where we uh, rate the album that we've just spent uh, five years talking about. In this case, it is, uh, you know, Chicago 18, uh, and uh, 25 uh, is the highest score you can give. Uh, Six is okay to passable. I don't, like, don't want to kill yourself level. Seven, or (laughs) seven. (laughs) Help. (laughs) Seven? (laughs) At a certain point, we just have I've never heard of such a number. Uh, (laughs) Four. Four is is shit and despair. All right, let's start it out. Ben. Six. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. Like, if you bought this, if you if you uh, went to a record store and you got an unmarked record out of the dollar bin, you paid $1 for it, and you took it home, and you didn't know what it was, and you put it on, you'd be like, eh, okay, and never listen to it again. Like, I think that's that's the level of quality on this record. It's, like, better than I expected I loved all the luxurious, very expensive synth sounds. I will not be able to remember any of the songs after we finish recording. That's it. Fair enough. Dan? Well, I think it's high concept art, as I've said before. (laughs) Uh, Whether that's successful or not, I think it's still up for debate. Um, I think, like Ben, I could have given it a six, but... I just they they ruin it at the end when the child vocals come in on one more day it's just it's a four you can't really get away from that it's so unforgivable and they just had to not do it and they could have got a six you know wow just that one moment I mean it's not that no I mean there are many terrible (laughs) moments but it's just that one kind of crosses the line right when I was grading grading it you know yeah Drew Uh, I'm also gonna say a four um, I think more more so to the fact that, to me, within the context of this record and the shift of the lineup, I think there really was a, a presented opportunity where they could have taken the reins of the band in a different direction and really just decided to like let Peter Cetera's imprint remain this huge aspect of this ultimately very shitty record. And I think that's why I'm going to give a four today. Astute analysis. Yeah. That's pretty much. That's pretty much Measured it. Measured response. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a four. Um, Niagara Falls is the best song I've ever heard, but <laughs> other than that, everything is shit. No, you know what? I like the first two tracks, and that's a that's about it. And over and over and over. I don't know. I when I first put it on, I was kind of like, this is this is pretty good, but I hadn't listened to Chicago in like two months. You right. did text Sam and me and yeah. say this is a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was this like afternoon. that was like three tracks in, or two and a half. Well, I will say, I will say, Solitude uh, for me is a six, though. 
Uh, oh above. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked it better for sure. Yeah, though it's, I think that's unquestionably a better record. Yeah, definitely. I think I gotta, I gotta give it a, a four too. I, I was tempted towards a six, but I feel like I always give shit sixes. Such, that's such as my personality. Total Libra move, right? Yeah. Cool, dude. It's awesome. Uh, I'm just gonna be sit in silence for a minute. Here. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all shit. The the children's choir is shit. Uh, the misogynistic dumb lyrics are shit. Uh, the two singles are shit. Free flight is cool. The horn break. Uh, it's all right is dumb. Twenty five or six to four is is unbelievable. Just an insane thing. I don't think we can give that out. I don't think we can give anything with that on it higher than a four andy okay for me it's a four it's a very easy four uh like i said earlier in this episode i was uh really enthusiastic about the idea of rec- of recording welcome to chicago again you know the three of <laughs> and us now, and now you regret that <laughs> yes uh, the three of us have been spending a lot of time focusing on music other than Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you know, things have become a little more buttoned up, straightforward, professional. Not that I'm not loving every moment of it, which I am. It's a lot. I did have an, I did have an impulse to say, you know, Monday night with the boys. Let's get down. Let's recapture old times. It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be fun. And I spent the day listening to this record and it did reconnect me with an old feeling, but it wasn't the old feeling I was hoping for. What it reconnected me with was just the sense of pure rage at having to spend time in my day devoting serious thought and listening to an album so fucking shitty when I could be doing other stuff like listening to good music or just going for a walk in silence listening to the birds and the breeze Mm. running through the leaves but instead i'm listening to niagara falls and i really did just get so mad about it today i'm glad that i don't have to listen to this fucking record ever again in my life Uh, i think we had a good time with the boys we got rowdy oh yeah the podcast was really fun but the music listening to it was bad yeah all right, big guy. Yeah. Sam's going to give it a 25. I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I'll give it a four. <laughs> um, it's been compared to a lot of my favorite music of all time over the past uh, six hours we've been recording this. <laughs> it's been, at times, it's been really hard for me to hear. Um, I forgot to mention about how it kind of has this like 70s Joni Mitchell vibe to certain parts of it <laughs> and the melodies. <laughs> I just want to say, as a lot of people who know me can probably tell, um, listening to music in general is not really priority numero uno for me lately as I've become immersed in this world of podcasting Mm. and being kind of like a podcast personality. Yeah, buying property. And and in the future, I'd like to spend as little time as possible listening to music that sounds like this. Music. And that's where else and music in general yeah. that's what i'll say when you get bigger in the music podcasting game eventually you, ba- you basically don't have to listen to it you know you know the drill right yeah, yeah the voice is like a deep faked and ai right, right. while i just hang out with other <laughs> podcasters 
Very, very cool. Very cool. I will say, though, Dan's theory about this being a concept album about the dismissal of, or like Pete Cetera leaving the band, is the thing that made me want to listen to it again and explore that. God. I like that idea. All right, um, we could do part two if you guys want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same time tomorrow. I think the list. I think the listeners will want that for sure. Uh, Once again, as the listeners, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, I'm very curious to see what you do with the raw material. I mean, the podcast is normally so so snappy and quick moving. <laughs> yeah, you must, do, you must yeah. do a lot of editing. You'd be surprised how much editing I do on it. But in all in all seriousness, it has actually been one of the joys of my life to be a part of this podcast, and I'm very glad that we got the invitation and we could finally make it happen. Thanks to Adeline Hotel uh, for Thank for you being guys. here. It was finally. lovely having you. We we love you. Yeah, good to I see you all. Th- yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks to our most special guest, Winston Cook Wilson. Thank you. It was so sweet of you to come on the show today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, what's your name again? And A- Andy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Oh, also thanks to Grady. We didn't even thank our sponsors. Oh god. I'll do I'll drop the yeah, drop a Grady's plug at the beginning. I had two cups today. We might have to re-record this because of that. <laughs> Before it ends, one thing I was committed to talking about is that I bought eighty dollars worth of Grady's recently and it was the best decision I've made in such a long time. I've been so happy waking up and drinking Grady's every morning. Hell yeah. Love you, Grady. Love you, Grady. Alright. This has been another episode of Welcome to Chicago. Thank you for listening.